Welcome to Wanderings and Wool Gathering, Minnesota number four. I'm Foggy, and with me tonight is Tony. Evening, Tony. Good evening. How are you? I am doing quite well. Actually, I'm pretty jazzed up. It's been a, an exciting week for music. Yeah. For me. So, right on. coming at you this week with a mini-sode because... Uh, typically, we plan the uh, shows that we do. We record on Sunday nights. We record or plan those out weeks in advance. Mm-hmm. And um, information came to me this week. And uh, this particular album that I heard about is being released in, uh, I think, just over a week. Well, it'll be a week from tomorrow. So I didn't want to let that slip by without getting in here and talking about it a little bit. So uh, the musical group is called i hope i'm right tony deva yes deva that's a uh really cool it's a prog rock sort of violin cello band so (laughs) how how could we miss um with something like that right i mean if if it's cello and violins you've already got me um and then prog rock on top of that i mean come on (laughs) (laughs) i know this is one of the most interesting groups that i've uh come upon in a long time and um, the reason that it caught me was um i was on twitter and anybody who's listened to the show knows that uh, i'm the rush nerd and um it was on one of the rush groups had posted that uh deva was doing a new rendition of 2112 and that's probably if my favorite if not my second favorite rush song so mm-hmm. instantly i'm in yeah <laughs> I, I, when you text me about it i was like this steve's probably just beaming ear to ear <laughs> on this oh. well, it didn't take me long to text you guys about it and then i noticed that the uh, music producer um was listed there and i'm like i'm doing it so i sent him a text and um i told him that we wanted to review the record and um we even invited him on the show which i'll have some news about that at the end and uh he was lovely he was fantastic and by the end of the night he had um, offered up the album in advance so that we could do a review um prior to uh, having them on the show later so really excited about that yeah and i think it's also a good time just to say thank you to him for doing that because I mean, these are the things that like I love when the world just connects. I, I feel like the world got so much smaller when the internet came around, and but it really takes somebody on the other end of that communication to be just as open to it as well. And I mean, let's face it, you know, we're more impressed to have them say yes to us than vice versa. <laughs> oh. Absolutely, and I made it yeah. very clear, you know. Um, that we were thrilled about this and we would love to have him on the show, but completely understood if their time didn't warrant that. Um, but he was awesome. And not only that, but he, you know, was, he trusted us to have this music and not go blasting it all over the internet prior mm-hmm. to the release. And so I really appreciate that. So yeah. uh, thank you very much. And uh, I'll just give him a little shout out right now. His name is Andrew Waters. He's the music producer for mm-hmm. Deva. And before we uh, jump in, actually, let's do this. Let's, uh, let's just go over 2112 first before okay. we get to the group and their, their rendition of this. Okay. So 
I feel like this is your thing. Um, obviously, <laughs> I'm going to weigh in, but it's it it would be almost blasphemous for me to just kick this off. So you you steer this. You do it. Go for it. Try it. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Oh, no. well, I, and I don't want to talk that much about 2112 because I've talked about it on the show before. Just want to give a little context before we get into the record. Mm-hmm. So um, <clears throat> 2112 is based on a work by Ayn Rand or Ayn Rand, however you say her name, um, called Anthem. And it's a futuristic world where the people in power have taken over and they've basically created sameness, equality, um, People basically have lost all identity. There's no creativity. There's no wonder. You're not allowed to prefer anything over anything else. It's really a very black and white, stagnant, you know, it's oppressive, really. And so in the story of 2112, um, a gentleman in the story, the protagonist, comes upon an instrument. And you can tell they play music. it sounds like he's by a bubbling stream or whatever. And he finds this instrument. And the beauty of the song is they kind of muddle through the guitar playing as he finds it, but then it kind of catches its groove. It builds and builds. And you really feel the wonder of this guy that's found this new interesting thing that's piqued his wonder and his creativity. Um, and of course, the people in charge, the, the priests, right? Um, in the Temple of Syrinx want no part of that because they have created this equality and um so that's this guy's new struggle yeah and that's archaic right i mean that that method of entertainment and tools and stuff right to them yeah but what's the need we have equality why do you need this instrument from the past yeah um you know and of course we all need it because we all need creative juices flowing we need that outlet we need that sense of wonder and yeah. so, but that's 2112. It's 20 minutes long. Um, mm-hmm. It's a great prog rock song. And, um, and the ladies of Deva have decided that they were going to take this on. So, yeah, which I'm glad they did. I think uh, after our first couple of listens, you and I were texting back and forth and uh, already just without tipping our hand too much, we were saying that we already liked it. So, Oh yeah. <laughs> That's going to come through for sure. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, when I first sort of think about it though, I think one of the things about the song that's problematic for people who are playing an instrumental is the lyrics are not there. So yeah. they've got to find a way to tell a story without the lyrics that, you know, Rush had the benefit of when they made the song. Right. Yeah. So. Which I have no clue how I would do that, <laughs> but uh, you know, they—I thought they pulled it off. I mean, and it's, there is that one. There is that caveat. It's not to say that there's anything wrong with any of it. It's just that it's also such a classic song. Mm-hmm. You you can follow the story that you already know a little bit as a fan. Yes, that's it is helpful. Um, but there's all, that's also a double-edged sword because I'm the audience. So I'm going to get it and I'm going to know what they're doing. Yeah. However, if I feel like there's a misstep, then clearly I'm going to hold it against them because I'm a fan and know better. Yeah. And you, that was air quoted, by the way, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not that arrogant to tell them I know better. No. Well, uh, just to bring up something that I put in my notes, you know, I tend to like try to read into things a little bit. I thought it was funny because you being a fan, 
kind of made you a priest and they have this new instrument that they're playing <laughs> before you for your approval, you know? Oh, you son of a bell. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so I thought there was some, yeah, something to be said about that, but uh, go ahead, dig in. I kind of, especially you being such a big Rush fan and us both liking this right off the bat, like um, what, what are your main thoughts on that? Okay, I'm gonna jump into that. I just wanna real fast, I wanna give the mm-hmm. shout out to the group. Um, the group is comprised of, um, I hope I don't murder any names. I apologize if I do. Uh-huh. Emily Howe on electric violin, Sharon Lee and Moira Burke on the electric five string hybrids and Liza McClellan on an electric cello. Um, and they are joined by, uh, Mark Longpray. Long, I'm not sure how to say his name. He was excellent though on the drums. And again, Andrew Waters, uh, producer, I was kind enough to share that. And one cool quick note, as I was uh, doing some research here, I noticed that one of the members went to Indiana University, my alma mater. So that was pretty cool. Yeah, the Jacobs School is legit. um, For sure. Yeah, one of the best in the country. So, all right, we ready? Yes, let's do it. We're ready. Okay, so for me, I think the... What had to happen to make this to really work was, um, as I said before, when the the protagonist finds the instrument, okay, that mm-hmm. that that to me is the the key piece of the whole song. And I, I think that's my favorite part of the song, because even in the song, until he the singing starts, most of that is done through instrument. They had to to build that feeling. They had to to give us the sense of wonder uh-huh. that, that he had. So the music changes tone. It, it becomes lighter. Um, and the video that he sent that, that he's working on, I thought it was really cool too, that as the ladies were playing at that point, they were looking at each other and they were smiling. Mm-hmm. Um, she was plucking on the cello and they were plucking the violins. Um, and it just had that sort of wholesome, uh, feeling of that that person finding that object for the first time, and so as that was the most important thing to me, the part the fact that they nailed it, I think really went a long way for me to love this song. Yeah, I I can't say much more on that because you kind of nailed that. I thought the same thing. Like the you got that lightheartedness. I don't say lightheartedness like it was comical or anything, but it was right. just it was that kind of sense of wonder and discovery. So, um, yeah. I'm not frozen. <laughs> I, I looked at your face. It looked like Monday was on the show again and it got frozen. Um, <laughs> no, no, no. And, um, so that part, you know, it, it lightens up and, um, I think the, the musicians seemed playful there. Um, mm-hmm. but they did an excellent job also of switching between, the parts with what I would call, you know, the dreamer or protagonist and then the parts with the priest where it was, you know, with the guitar and electric bass and, and, you know, Neil Peart on drums. I mean, you can really hit those parts hard. I didn't expect it as much with the violins and they killed it. I mean, it was aggressive and it was you know angry. Um, and then they would go back just as easily back to the dreamer and we would lighten up and it's, uh, I don't, I don't know the exact word for that, but um, 
No, I, I mean, you bring up another good point too. It's like, it was the unexpectedness that got me too. of, I think I was already giving some leeway, like, okay, well, if this, if it's going to be instrumental and it's going to be these instruments and whatever, it's going to, I'm not saying miss the mark. It's just going to be different. And I was going to be okay with that, you know? Um, and by different, maybe that was, it wasn't going to be as hard hitting in spots. And, uh, but man, <laughs> they're so talented that it um it was super like refreshing it was and uh and this will sound like a dumb analogy but you know like on uh jimmy fallon sometimes they'll have like the roots who are immensely talented people Mm -hmm. they'll they'll play like school instruments and do like a pop song you know yeah Uh that's entertainment value for quick consumption and, and it's great in its own right but then it goes into the ether um and so these are great musicians that do that, you know, for entertainment value. You can tell here the musicianship on with them uh, on this uh, 2112 cover is so – they're just so talented, but it's it's not for this um, quick entertainment value. It's to put something down as a, like a piece of art, you know? Mm-hmm. There's definitely so much thought and so much talent and stuff put into it that um, – and then watching the video, which I geek out behind – kind of see in behind the scenes on stuff like that um that you know that you're doing it for out of passion and there's some longevity to it yeah and i'm gonna meet your analogy i'm gonna throw one more at you yeah let's go to i'm gonna i want to out analogy you <laughs> that so, should make you good listening <laughs> God. look at these guys they're on five analogies it's analogy <laughs> battle <laughs> Sorry. um okay so it, think about a movie where you know, you've got the soundtrack going in the background mm-hmm. or the score. And if you're noticing the score too much, that's a bad thing. Right. It's supposed to take you into the movie and provide the mood and, and all of that. So you don't want to notice it as much. What I found really interesting is that there were times where I just became absorbed and you almost forget the instruments they're playing. Mm-hmm. And then you think, oh, is that a guitar? You know, it's like they make the instrument sound so different that you really kind of lose that. I felt like... When uh, a few years ago, I saw Bela Fleck and uh, Edgar Meyer play, uh-huh. and um, he played Meyer played the piano and he played some bass, and of course Bela played the um, banjo, but they were playing classical music, and as you're listening, you almost forget he's playing a banjo. This is <laughs> classical music, you know, and I kind of felt like that here a little bit in a good way. I mean, you never really forget that <laughs> these awesome musicians are playing those instruments, but yeah it just kind of takes you away and it's no longer just, Hey, look, they're playing a violin song. It's they're playing 2112. Yeah. I think that you're hitting the nail on the head there. It's the point is that, you know, you're listening to 2112 and you're not, you're not um, distracted. Even if it's in a good way to be like amazed that they're doing it with that. It just, it is doing the piece justice. Yeah. Serving Absolutely. their purposes. So, yeah. yeah. And you know, the last point I'll make about the, as far as the musicianship goes, Mm -hmm. when you you get rush, you're really talking about a rhythm section with the bass and the drums Mm -hmm. together. I mean, that's their forte. And I felt like these two together, even though the drummer isn't really as pronounced as as the other musicians on here, the two working together, I think did an excellent job on a song that is heavy in Mm -hmm. that. Um, And a group that relies on that a lot. And I thought they did a great job with the rhythm section. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I guess my last comment on it so we can keep moving since it's a mini episode is uh, that, wow, what an undertaking. I mean, 
it's one thing to say like i'm going to cover this song and do it whatever but those instruments that band that song that's like that's a huge undertaking and they did it i mean i i loved it i really did love it yeah. and they're based out of toronto so they risked getting kicked out of uh out of the six <laughs> that's fresh <laughs> hometown you know true that's so. even yeah and and okay i'm gonna make one final comment <laughs> i promise this time but i also really like that they they did a little bit of the electronic at the beginning to bring you into it and then at the end they played the part um from the end of 2112 itself um which is that kind of mysterious ending that um we're not sure exactly what happens. We, we kind of think we do this for attention, all planets of the solar Federation. We have assumed control. We have assumed control, you know? Yes. Yeah. Um, and they, they put that in there, which I thought was a nice touch. Cause that was really the only lyrics that we heard. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. So I give that five out of five. Oh, I give it a five out of five too. And I'm not, I'm not even just trying to be nice. That I was completely amazed, and uh, actually made my work day a lot better too. <laughs> so yeah. that's bonus yeah. points. And I, I thought it was interesting last night that I texted you. Uh, I said last night I laid on the couch in the dark and put headphones on and listened to it. You're same. <laughs> we have both yeah. kind of did the same thing. That well, it deserved having headphones. It deserved having the full attention. You know, and I honestly like. You know, I'm listening to music all the time, but I, I get kind of pissed off that I've got to have one earbud in so I can hear my phone at work or right at home. It's coming out of tinny speakers on my phone. <clears throat> it's like, I really miss those days of the stereo, the good speakers, the, the late nights of listening under headphones. And so, like I told you in that text, that text string, text string too, is it almost took me back to college. So, um, I don't know how many more bonus points can they get? <laughs> you made my work day better. They took me back to college. That's a great song. So. Awesome. Okay. Well, that brings us to the second song on the album, um, which is the last song because each song is about 20 minutes long. Um, and this is an original by them uh, called heaven and hell. And it is in four parts overture um, hell, the violent asylum. Three is Purgatory to Heaven's Gate. And four, which is Heaven, Second Life. Um, so what I, I guess to, just to start us off, I think this really establishes why people would say that it's a prog record or that they have these prog elements because those long songs that we get from Rush and Tool, or Dream mm -hmm. Theater, whoever, you know, where they sustain songs for a long time and people don't check out i mean that's prog rock all the way yeah <laughs> for sure thank god that exists <laughs> yeah uh. it's for people who don't have short attention spans and would like to stick around and i would say that you gotta stick around for the end of this because there is a super payoff at least for me in the end so yeah all right so let's start with the element of prog rock, which is okay. um, where the the musicians usually in a an intro that is lengthy to some extent establishes this rhythm or this through line that will go through the whole song. You get they'll break off and they'll change pace and but they always come back to a certain line that goes all the way through it, a beat or a rhythm or a guitar riff or whatever it might be. Um, and this song is no different. 
So, yeah, definitely just of that genre. That's just an element that I like. I mean, I love, I love that it can tell stories, and I love all the stuff. But that, like, um, even come, coming from a fine art world, like, there's just something soothing to having something that is consistent that you can hang on to, you know, or return to. Mm-hmm whatever the case may be. So yeah, beautifully done. Yeah, for sure. So, <clears throat> excuse me. So in the overture, which is part one that is established. Um, and I will say that throughout this song and, and starting here, there are some super groovy, deep bass uh, mm-hmm. riffs through this that I just absolutely love. They just, they're uh, like submarines through the song, just hitting those low notes. And yes. then sometimes everything stops and we get a nice drum breakdown. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are some cool parts that I thought kind of go through this whole thing and uh, tie it all together. Yeah. That was a standout for me too. Um, and that was another reason I was so glad to have it on like headphones and, and in my stereo earlier tonight uh, on a good system. Cause you're missing out if you're if you don't have the right tools to listen to those types of things on but um and to give we keep talking about the musicianship but um you know the production value too is so high on it and you can't you can't have these instruments and all this entire frequency of things and mesh of music without having somebody that can see that through you know on a production value scale absolutely so after the overture, we go, we descend into hell. And as we're in hell, um, we get our first inkling of some vocals in this section. We continue with that deep cello groove, which is so cool. Mm-hmm. And then we get some lyrics that really set the stage for where we are in the song, um, where the the female, I guess she's almost the female protagonist in the song because she alternates eventually with a gentleman who sings. Um, but she mentions fallen angels that she can see. Um, dark, she's in a darkness with no serenity. She's living in blackness for eternity. And as that section ends, they do mention the violent asylum. Mm-hmm. So lyrics match, I think, the deep, heavy groove indicating hell or something sinister. I felt like matched the lyrics pretty good. Yeah, I did too. Um, and <laughs> I don't know what this says, but uh, that was one of my favorite parts of these <laughs> songs. So, I mean, to say that I kind of liked hell is <laughs> <laughs> a, a little odd. But um, no, they all they all serve their purpose. But there's something about that uncomfortableness and and those the tones that are having to use to to evoke you know to match the lyrics and that kind of stuff that I I really liked that section. Yeah, I did too. And it's, they're not marked like clear divisions, so to speak. Like I, I was looking to see if I could, you know, tell where their breaks were um, and yeah. just hit them like that. But uh-huh. they were pretty clear in the way that the music shifted, which I think is also kudos to them. Um, because when we go to the next section, the purgatory to heaven's gate, the music does shift a little bit and we start to get some of the higher notes and, Mm-hmm. I noticed that at some at the end, at the end of the strings or whatever, you get some notes that that end on an up note. I'm not sure what yeah. you say. I'm kind of stupid as far as musical lingo goes, so I hope that makes sense. But like a major major note, or I don't, I'm not either. But I know that minor tends to sound more down, and major is more uplifting. Yeah, it does. Yeah, the notes lift, I guess. Um, but the cool thing is the the 
cello groove, although it's not as much in our face in this one, it is there a little bit because we are still in purgatory moving towards um, heaven's gate. And I like there, we get the first sign of a little bit of hopefulness when, she, you know, she says there's a light in the distance. Yeah. The form is returning where the souls line up. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, um, <laughs> then the guy comes in and now we know that the guy is judging and he says, you are not worthy. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> which we still get some of those heavy notes. So it does match up pretty good. And then at the end, um, the tempo picks up and it gets a little brighter. I think the music sounds a little more playful and the, and then we get, I think what's turning here is that the girl comes back and admits that she must atone for her egoistic ways. So it's the first time we get like the acceptance, um, which we, as the listener know, Hey, she's going to make it out. You know, is that yeah. first indication. Right. <laughs> Um, yeah. And, and speaking of that part, like I'm very, obviously I'm just reacting to, you know, my own view of everything, but the, uh, the egotistical, that's something I love about tool too. Like, you know, you have this, what seemingly might look like a heavy metal band, you know, to people or something. And, but the, and I was telling this to my wife last night that there's some, something about that, like weird juxtaposition that you have this image but you have this message of you know everyone being one and uh, you know all this hopefulness but tool talks a lot about you know killing off your ego Mm -hmm. and uh so i always like my ears prick up when i kind of hear that kind of stuff and i thought it was cool that it was almost like a light bulb moment to like to be able to pass the atonement and humility and getting rid of your ego thing yeah, I thought it was too. It was, I wish I um, I had the printed lyrics. Um, I think I got them pretty much, mm-hmm. um, but there were a few that I wasn't quite sure on. Um, and I'm sure after the album is released, we'll get some uh, some lyrics out there that we can follow along even more. But it was still pretty clear that the musician or the the vocalist, I think both did an excellent job. Mm-hmm. Um, her voice is beautiful. Um, and his was kind of a little bit deeper and almost sounded a little judgy. I kind of like that. I know. I played the part for sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so then that breaks and it goes into the last part, which is heaven. Mm-hmm. And then, um, you know, and then it gets, you know, thy will be done. We go right into some religious, um, you know, connotations there with the thy will be done and salvation is one. Mm-hmm. Um, but the tempo has changed now and it just the song doesn't seem as sinister the violin's a little higher um and then we get what sounds like a choir joining in saying you know raise child and then we start talking about second chances a second life to do it right um and then i thought this was the part i think really tied up the whole thing um, you know, we got these beautiful angelic notes and then this woman's voice is, returns and she's grateful now for the mercy that she's been given. And so she's going to give back. And so she agrees to help others. And she says that she sees heaven in the hell or heaven in hell. And then that deep groove, that bass groove comes back, tying in, even though we're in the section of heaven, we got that nasty deep bass, you know, from the hell section earlier, ties back to the overture, and everything kind of comes full circle, and the song just kind of plays out at that point. And um, man, yeah, a perfect finish. Definitely. (laughs) And yeah, gosh, there's so much to be a fan of 
um, because I, I, I love those deep sounds too. And then I'm such a sucker for cello and violins. <laughs> um, you and I both are like really fixated on lyrics and storytelling and um, I don't know, I kind of had it all. And then, you know, coming off of like Rush, like the, you were talking about the end of Rush um, of 2112 and how you don't really know what happened. And so it's left to interpretation. And I've always, I've always thought of it as kind of like, it, it nothing's permanent. Like it's going to go, it's going to come back around again, you know? Mm-hmm. And so there's some change happening there. And in this one, like um, that kind of tie in again to the beginning, like you just said, you know, um, I don't know how I'm, I'm not explaining it correctly, but I, I really, it's just so intentional. So you can see that. And so well done that it it's good storytelling in music. I guess that's the best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's what the old concept albums were so good at doing, telling these long rambling stories. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, I, I think this song really proves that, you know, they've got the chops to, to do what they basically were doing in 2112. Mm-hmm. So what an effort. Yeah. Because when you take on something like that, um, I mean, you're you're rolling the dice on. If it's not hitting correctly, it's it's a it's a really long thing to listen to. If it's not hitting correctly, when it's hitting correctly, it's like, well, how long was the song? Like twenty minutes or something? Yeah, each one was. The album is just a, I think a little over forty minutes. Yeah, yeah. and so like, it doesn't feel like forty. You know, it's that it, it does that weird thing with time where you're like, wow. I didn't, that wasn't that wasn't hard at all to listen to so i can't i mean where do you start on something like this being a creator you know how do you start to build these pieces yeah i don't know i'm i guess we might as well say it right here um the uh the cellist um lila mcclellan i believe is her name um she has agreed that she will come on the show and Mr. Andrew Waters, who has provided us with this music will also be on the show. So I think that is going to be a great time to ask her conceptually, musically, how do you put something together like that? Yeah. I can't wait. Cause I'm so, I'm such a good listener and such a bad creator when it comes to music. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here next to a keyboard that like, you know, I can play for a lease on for the 20,000th time and maybe some chopsticks. I'm but, sitting here next to a violin that I can play hot cross buns and French folk song <laughs> on. Yeah. Well, maybe they'll ask us to be on their next you know, adventure. I'm moving up to Toronto and getting some lessons. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, but I'm, I'm super, super geeked about that because, um, you know, and you know, you know my background, Steve, but I grew up around musicians and mm-hmm. being an art person the only thing I could do was like paint backdrops and make CD covers and anything I could do to still be around the creation process. Right. Yeah. I'm excited to talk to him um, Mm -hmm. about this. And the other part is I really want to know about the musical choices they made in creating their version of 2112. 100%. Because you, you got to find a way as they always say on those shows to make it your own. And yet you can't stray too far from the source material. Um, because you want to do a job that the, I would think that the band 
that you love because I assume that they really like Rush because there was some serious passion put into that song. Yeah. Um, and they and you know you've got in Canada Rush fans are rabid. And um, so you definitely don't want to, you know, kill off an entire fan base because you didn't uh, do your due diligence on a song. Absolutely. Now, where does when does their original stuff come out? Uh, what did Andrew say? Yeah, the 26th, I believe, is the release of this record. Okay. Um, and that is, uh, it's Deva Quartet, 2112. Uh, beautiful album cover work there. It looks like... Uh, You've got the girl playing the violin with the notes sort of rolling everywhere. And then there's this futuristic city in the background and like, uh, it looks like she's standing in a wheat field. So yeah, uh, even a nicely planned album cover. Definitely. And uh, yeah, talking about the religious connotations and some, you know, hinting at that, uh, a lot of mention of wheat <laughs> in the Christian. <laughs> exactly. Life, so Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. I'm so glad we did. I'm glad you reached out and they were so willing to share with us. So I'm looking forward to when we have them on the show. Me too. So final word. Okay, I'm just going to do it right now. We'll just give the uh, overall album a rating. And so mm-hmm. I'm going to give the overall album a 4.75 out of 5 because nobody's rush. So <laughs> Yeah. Sorry. but i loved it 100 percent. and i one of the things we ask on the show is will you listen again and the answer is absolutely yes i will be digging it even more yeah i would say 4.75 as well um and you know will i listen again i mean i'll be listening to it tomorrow morning so uh yes of course and um yeah not much more to say on it right now i'm just looking forward to them and i'm it's it, well the one thing i will say the last thing i'll say on it is that um another thing that i am and i think you are too is like when you find new music mm-hmm. it's such a such a cool moment and the way that this all comes about and to hear something you really like and know and know you're going to be able to listen to it again tomorrow and you didn't even know about it two days ago you know <laughs> it's yes. such an awesome thing so uh yeah i'll end it on that awesome so again, thank you. Thank you very much to Deva and everybody associated with them. Really appreciated you guys putting your faith in us to protect your music. Um, we love the record and we can't say enough good about it. And we will uh, keep you informed as we move forward whenever we figure out the date that uh, we will have the two on the show. I cannot wait for that. And on Sunday, we'll, we will be recording episode 40 of the regular wanderings and wool gathering show. And on that one, we're going to be reviewing sacred Reich and uh, we'll be up to some more shenanigans. So I I think that's it. Thank you all for listening and we will see you next week. Bye now. (laughs) 